Today we are continuing our series, Unshakable. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking in Judges chapter 6 and verse number 11. And so if you take your Bible and you have it, you go to the very front, turn a little bit to the right, and you're going to run into the book of Judges. So Judges chapter 6, verse number 11. And the, the message, you know, our series is Unshakable. And our focus today is Unshakable even when I don't feel adequate. Now, I, I really think that this is probably something that a lot of us feel, and that is that, that there are times whenever we feel like maybe God is moving and God is doing something great. He's speaking into our hearts. Maybe he's moving us in a particular direction, but we don't feel like that, that we can actually do that because, you know, we're not adequate or we're not good enough. Now, my guess is that probably most of you at, at some point or period in your life have felt some sense of inadequacy. Now, if you have never felt that way, let me jog your memory a little bit. I will try to share a personal example. Uh, I remember whenever I was in college, it was my, my sophomore year, and uh, I, met, I met my future wife, uh, and this one that I still have, uh, which is Emily. And so I met her, and you know, after we had been hanging out together for a while, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to ask her out. You know, I wanted to bless her. And so I was in the I was in the library and I was you know, I was studying and because you know, I'm very studious and so I was studying in the library and her roommate was in there and I was talking to her about Emily and I said hey uh, you know I'm I'm thinking about asking Emily out you know I said hey you know tell me kind of what's like what's the story there she goes ah oh, man I'll tell you she, Emily really likes you as a friend oh yeah so we all know what that means you know no chance right. And uh, so that was like, that was not, I felt very inadequate at that point. And so I decided, that's when I realized, you know, it's time to, you know, break out the big guns and, uh, and, and show the charm, turn the charm on. And so anyway, so I went over there and I was, I was like, man, she likes me as a friend, horrible, but, you know, I'm not going to wait any longer. So I drove over to her apartment and uh, her par- the car I dro- drove at that time was a 1984 Firebird. I mean, how can you say no whenever somebody's driving a car like that, right? And so I, you know, I drove over there, and uh, she got in the car with me. And, and I drove around, because I'm such a weenie, I drove around the parking lot with her for like 30 minutes. And she's like, what are we doing? And uh, so finally, I beca- even though I felt inadequate, I, I broke the ice, and I finally, you know, I asked her out on a date. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. Her life was greatly improved. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's just times whenever we feel inadequate. And, and I think that's true also spiritually. You know, there's a lot of times spiritually in our walk with God, you know, we say that we, if we follow Jesus, we know Jesus, we come to church, or I would like to know Jesus, but there's that sense of inadequacy that a lot of times that just sort of, you know, invades our lives. We, we feel like, you know, there's not really, not really any further that I can go with God because I'm just simply not good enough. And that's what I like about our text today. In Judges chapter 6, it's a story about a man named Gideon who had been called by God to do something really great, but he felt inadequate. And he didn't feel like that he could do it because he just simply looked at himself and and his thought was, there is no way that God can use somebody like me. And, And I think that there's some of you today probably who might have that same sense or that same feeling. And if, if that's you, and I want to share with you some good news. 
And that is that God can take people who are inadequate and he can make them unshakable. And so that's why we're looking in Judges 6 today. We're going to look in verses 11 through 16. And, and just a little bit of background information here is that the Hebrew people at this time, the Israelites, they had been disobedient to God for a number of years. Now they were following after other gods. They were doing what was pleasing to them. God was, God was trying to get their attention, but finally he came to a place, like he will eventually do, where he said, okay, if that's what you want, I'm going to allow you to have it. And I'm just going to allow sin to take its natural course in your life. And if you go back to verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6, it says, The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord handed them over to Midian seven years, and they oppressed Israel. Because of Midian, the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. And so here they are. They're disobedient to God. And so God lets sin take, take its natural course. Enemies come against them. They're hiding out in caves, being terrorized for seven years. And finally, the people, they kind of get the message at this point. Like, we don't like this anymore. And so they begin to pray to God. And they said, God, we need deliverance. We need your help. And God, in his grace, just like he does with us, he intervened. And what he did is he said, I'm going to use a man named Gideon to lead you out of your bondage. Now, here's what's interesting about Gideon. Gideon was a regular guy. He was a guy just like you, just like me, and God said, I am going to use you. Even though you might feel inadequate, I'm going to use you to do great things. Now, I like that message because God does the same thing with people today. He uses regular, ordinary people who might feel inadequate, and he says, I can do great things through you. So I, what I want us to do today is I just want us to look at a, at a few traits of this, of this unlikely hero named Gideon. And, and I'm hoping that as you see the traits that he had is that he's very much like you and me. Now the very first trait that we see in Gideon's life, this hero, is this. The very first trait is fear. Now, I don't know about you, when I think of heroes... I don't think of fear a whole lot. And yet that was a major trait in his life. If you, if you look in verse number 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came, and he sat under the oak tree that it was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine vat in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. There's a couple of ironic things here, but here's the very first thing I want you to look at. So if you have your Bible, y'all get to participate here. If you look in your Bible, look in verse number 11. Where was Gideon when he was approached by the angel? And then tell me, what was he doing? If you look in your Bible, where was he, first of all? Okay, he's in a cave, right? Okay, so he's in a cave. Now, what's he doing in the cave? It says he's threshing wheat. Now, being from Blythewood, I have not had a whole lot of experiences threshing wheat. And so, but here's what I learned. When you thresh wheat, you don't do it inside of a cave. A cave, it says that it was a wine press. That, that was an inside job. When you thresh wheat, what you do is you go outside, you take the wheat, and eventually what they do is they end up throwing the wheat up in the air, have pitchforks, they'll throw it up in the air, and they let the wind blow the chaff away from the wheat, and the wheat, because it's heavier, will fall to the ground. So it was, a, it was an outdoor job. So then here's the question. 
why was Gideon doing an outdoor job inside? It's because he was scared. And the reason why he was scared was because the Midianites, whenever, every time it came harvest season, they would come into town and they would steal everybody's food. Uh, Back in verses 3 through 6, it says, Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, the Kadamites came and they would attack them and they encamped against them. They destroyed the produce of the land, even as far as Gaza. They left nothing for Israel to eat, as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For the Midianites came with their cattle and their tents like a great swarm of locusts. They and their camels were without number. They entered the land to waste it. And so Israel became poverty-stricken because of Midian, and the Israelites cried out to the Lord. So why was Gideon hiding? He's hiding because there's an enemy coming towards him, what's going to come after him, and he wants to protect what he has. He doesn't want anybody stealing his food. He's scared of the enemy. And I look at that and I think, that's, I don't know about y'all, sounds like me. You know, I'm trying to do whatever I can to, to hang on to what I've got. And look at the world around us and I see some of the things that, that we are going after, some of the things that are publicized, and I think, man, that's not right. And so my natural instinct, instead of engaging the world, is to hide from it. Because I want to, I don't know about y'all, but I, I like me. You know, I want to protect me. I want to protect my interest. But the world today, the world, there's some bad stuff that happens in the world. It is an angry world. There are things that take place in the world, and I think, man, that should not be happening. You know, just last week, the New York Senate, or the New York uh, legislature, along with the governor, they signed a, a bill that allows abortions all the way up to the day the baby is born. And I look at that and I think, you know, there's something that's not right with this world. And it's very easy to look at that and think, well, what's next? And to become fearful of what could be next. And for those of us who are believers, whenever we decide, or if we do decide to stand up for the things of God, I promise you, you will be ridiculed. People don't hold, the the world does not hold the values that that come from Scripture. And so it's very easy when I see that, to say, I'm going to step back. I don't want people to think I'm weird. I want to protect my own interest. And I don't want to engage. And I look at Gideon, that is who Gideon was. And so what we do is we try to settle for other things that are going to satisfy us in life. We, we look for relationships to, to satisfy us in life. There's nothing wrong with relationships. I'm all for them. But guys, let me tell you something. Relationships eventually end. You know, the, the longest they're going to last as long as you live. You know, some of us, we, we try to find satisfaction. You know, the world's going crazy, so I'm going to hoard my money and I'm going to save it up and protect myself. And, and there's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with money. But you know what, it only lasts again only as long as you do. So, so what is it that's going to fill us? You know, what, what are people looking for? You know what people are looking for? They're looking for eternity. I mean, think about it. When, in your relationships, you want those rela- good relationships that you have. You want them to last forever. Whenever you look at your life, you think, man, I, I want to live forever. You know, I want to be able to live to see my children have their children, and I want my grand—I want to see my grandchildren's children. You know, while I'm at it, I just don't want to ever die. I want to live forever. 
Now you think, well, that's a, that's a pipe dream. But here's what's interesting to me. Did you know that God put your desire for eternity inside of you? Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us this. It says, He, God, also set eternity in the hearts of men. That's why we long for eternity. God put it there. That the world only offers stuff that's temporary. And so what happens a lot of times is regular people get scared and we become uncertain when we see what the world is like and we try to hide from it. And did you know, even if you feel that way, did you, God can still use you. And I look at Gideon. It's one thing that I like about Gideon. Gideon was just a guy who was scared. And yet God was going to make him a hero. You know, Philippians 4.13 tells us, I can do all things through him, through Christ who strengthens me. So I look at Gideon. So what was a trait of this guy Gideon that I think we ought to be more like in this text? Well, he was, he was fearful. He was marked with fear. But here's another thing that he was marked with. He was marked with excuses. It's another trait of an unlikely hero. I'm liking this so far. I'm thinking, you know what, y'all? If we're going to talk about heroes, I, I can do some of this stuff. I know how to be scared. And believe me, I know how to make excuses in my life. That's what Gideon did, verse 13. The angel calls him mighty warrior, and then Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the power of Midian. Am I not sending you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family's the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. God says, I want you to do great things. Gideon says, I'm not adequate. And you know, whenever, whenever we're younger, I think we have a desire to do great things. You know, we have a desire to be heroes. You know, when I was a kid, I used to, we had a basketball goal in our driveway. You know, you go out there and you'd shoot. Then after a while, after you've been, you know, warmed up for a while, you start thinking of different game scenarios. And so in my mind, I'd sit there, you know, I'd start the countdown. You know, three, two, national championship on the line. And I've got the ball. And I'm thinking, that's a bad coach. And so I've got the ball. And so I, I lean back and I, you know, I launch one into the air. And then it would clang off the back of the rim. And so I'm down to one, and then I start my, you know, my special clock. Half a second, a quarter of a second, you know, enough time for me to run up there and grab the ball and lay it in for a layup to win the national championship. So, you know, as a young guy, I, you know, I wore more national, won more national championships than any of y'all can even imagine. So when we're younger, we have dreams of being heroes, but whenever we get older, it's interesting to me, whenever an opportunity arises as we get older to make a difference, you know what the natural instinct for so many of us is? It's begin to pull away. It's begin to make excuses as to why we can't do certain things. It's what Gideon said. The angel says, you're a mighty warrior. Verse number 12. Gideon says, I'm a mighty warrior. But then he starts making excuses. Hey, if God's really on our side, why, why are we being harassed by the Midianites? You know, the only thing I ever hear is my parents telling me these stories about how Israel was taken out of Egyptian captivity and God split the Red Sea wide open. And then I'm looking here and I'm threshing wheat in a cave. I think God's abandoned us. So he's making excuses. 
Now, I have a little bit different of a take on this. I, I believe, I really do, I believe it's a part of our natural instinct to back down from major challenges. And, and I think the reason why is because by nature, as we get older, we're just trying to survive. You know, we're survivalists. We're trying to do whatever we can to make sure we never put ourselves in a situation where we're vulnerable. And so God tells us, I've called you to make disciples. I have called you to share the good news of Jesus. And we go, man, the easy thing for us to do is start saying, I can't do that. I've not lived a perfect life. You know, I have failures in my life. God couldn't use somebody like me. You know, excuses are, are interesting. I, there was a, um, one of my favorite stories is the Arkansas State Trooper Convention. And they asked the troopers to come up with, as they all met together, said, what is the best excuse you've ever been given when you pulled somebody over for speeding? It's a true story. And so there's one, the guy who ended up winning was a trooper. He had uh, set up a speed trap, and an 18-wheeler went flying by him. He said, so I, you know, I, I immediately got in behind him. I turned on my, my lights, and he said, and he just kept on going. Uh, maybe he doesn't see me. He said, turn on his sirens. He said, they're blaring. He said, when I did that, he said, he started going faster. And so he kept following him. He said he had his brights on. He's flashing them on and off. And he said, I had to stay behind the guy until eventually he ran out of gas. He said, and the truck pulled over to the shoulder of the road. He said, I got out of my car. He said, he was irritated. And he went to him and says, he said, did you not know I was behind you? He said, I did. He goes, well, why didn't you stop? He said, I mean, I turned on my lights. I had my siren on. I'm flashing my brights at you. And you kept driving. And then here's the excuse. The driver said, sir, two years ago, my wife ran off with an Arkansas State Trooper. And I was afraid you're trying to bring her back. I just, isn't that a great story? <laughs> it's so fun. Okay, it doesn't really fit very well in here, but I just thought that was a great story. We like excuses, right? So we, we like to make excuses. Okay, so here's Gideon, trying to bring this one back. Here's Gideon. God calls him a mighty warrior. And Gideon says can't do it. It says, God's abandoned us. Now, had God really abandoned Gideon and his people? Well, here's what's interesting to me. It's not that God did. The people abandoned God. Back in verse number one, this is why all this bad stuff's happening. It says, the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. God's abandoned us. Now, who's the one that started the conversation with Gideon? Well, the angel did. As a matter of fact, if you read and you go on to verse number, uh, verse, uh, verse 14, then verse into verse 15, God is the one now who starts speaking to Gideon. Gideon says, God's abandoned us. God's like, I'm right here. I'm talking to you right now. And then Gideon makes one last ditch effort to make an excuse. And Gideon says, I'm from the smallest tribe in Israel, from Manasseh. I'm the least in all of my family. God, you can't use somebody like me. I, you, I am no one special. So here's a guy who's not very special, and yet God said, I'm going to use you. He said, let's church me to tell you something. You might, you might not feel very special. It doesn't matter how you feel. When God places his hand on you, he will use you to bless others. He will use you to make a difference in the lives of people. He will use Village Church to impact the people that are around us. You might say, I feel inadequate. Let me tell you, you are inadequate, just like me. 
Gideon was inadequate. What were the traits he had? He's a guy who made excuses. He was a guy who was fearful. But here's the difference maker. The final trait that made all the difference in the world, God was with him. That's all that mattered. God was with him. If you look with me in verse number uh, 16, here's what the Lord said. But I will be with you, and you will strike Midian down as if it were one man. So, so what made the difference for this man who is filled with fear, this man who made excuses, what was the difference maker in his life? Very simple, God was with him. Because God was with him, it didn't matter how he felt. Because God was with him, he was going to change the history of Israel. Now I want you to know something. The same thing, the same thing is true for you as it is for me. You, can, you will make a difference in the lives of people around you, not because you're gifted, not because you're good looking, not because you're a great speaker. Here's why. God is with you. That's it. God is with you. If God is with you, Romans 8.31, if God be for you, the Bible says, then who can be against you? Did you know that whenever you become a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that God comes to live in you? Colossians 1.27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. What's the mystery? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, what does that mean for us? If Christ is in you as, uh, and you follow him, then his power is inside of you. Now, what kind of power does God have? Well, he raised Jesus from the dead. It's pretty significant. The resurrection power of Jesus is in you. And now, it's not because of who you are. It's because of who he is that you can make a difference. So, so if this is true, y'all, we don't have anything to be fearful of. When God presents us with a challenge, we don't have to feel inadequate because it's God in us, working through us. As my, I, have, uh, I have three children, and my two oldest are boys. And so as my boys got older, I, I got excited about some of the different things that you can do with your kids, you know, as you get older, as they get older. And then one thing I noticed is I wanted, them to, I wanted to let them know what good music was as they got older. And then, uh, you know, like... George Strait, Merle Haggard, some, some of the, the top, top singers. And then, and then I also wanted them to know what good movies were. And so one, one, I could not wait to, for them to get old enough to watch probably one of my favorite all-time movies, Braveheart. Okay, now, if you don't like Braveheart, you will not go to heaven. So this is like just like, like a tremendous, it's a tremendous, uh, there's, something, uh, there's something special about that movie. I love that movie. And so my boys got older I was never afraid that they would not like the movie. I knew they were going to like it. You know I knew they were going to like it? Because I liked it. And so if I like it, then everybody's going to like it. And so I, I was, but I was not afraid. And they watched the movie, and they loved me. As a matter of fact, even if we see, if we see it on TV, you know, we will stop and watch the movie. We just like, let's get past the little girl thing, and let's move on into the movie. And we just get really excited about the movie. So I love the movie. So I, have, I had confidence they're going to like the movie. Okay, now, so I look at Gideon, and I, and I look at you, and, and here's my thought. I have confidence that God is going to work especially through you. And I have that confidence. You know why I have that confidence? Because I have seen what God has done in my life. And I am not special. 
And I'm not any different than you. And yet God has taken a person like me who is fearful, who feels inadequate and who makes excuses. And God has shown me even in the midst of fear that he can do surprisingly great things. And I know that God can do the same thing in you. Now, so what does God call us to do? It's a very simple things. One of the biggest things that God calls us to do is share the good news of Jesus. You know, we, we live in a time when people are searching for something to hang on to. And it's Jesus. And you, you know it. And you say, well, if I actually share with somebody, that, that can be intimidating. Absolutely. You know, it makes me feel vulnerable. It absolutely makes you feel vulnerable. But God's with you. He's not trying to kill you. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God will never call his people to do something that he will not enable them to do. Now, now being, a, being a hero is not just simply the dreams of children. Being heroic is something that you do by just simply being obedient to the leadership of Jesus. People are looking for a solid foundation to stand on. People are, they're they're looking for others to live differently than them so they can say, what is it that you have that I don't have? And and you can, you don't have to be fake. You can be, you can be fearful. You can make excuses, but you have to come to that place where you say, God, I'm scared, but I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to remember that God is with me. So let me encourage you to do something. When you feel inadequate, I want you to know you can be unshakable. You know, be unshakable, men and women, be unshakable in your vows to your spouse. You know, be be unshakable in your commitment to God's word over the opinion of people. Be unshakable. You know, be, be unshakable. In loving people even when you don't feel like it. Be unshakable in pointing people to Jesus when it's easier not to do anything. Because if you make yourself available to God, God will do great and mighty things through you. It's not because of who you are. It's because of who He is. And He wants to work through you. Now, I want to close with this. I, I think one of the greatest tools that we have that, that Village Church offers, the way we do it at Village Church, is that one of the greatest ways to develop an unshakable spirit, even when you feel inadequate, is in our, in our small group ministry. It's where we gather together with other people who are looking into Scripture, looking for direction from God, and we encourage each other, we challenge each other to be obedient to what Scripture says. And so we have a, a testimony that I'd like for you to watch of a man who is involved in our small group ministry and it's made a difference in his life. And then after that's over, then we're going to show you that video where you you use your phone again. And so I want you to get off, if you can, get off your Wi-Fi before that happens and so that you can look up our small groups. That's a long story. But but our small group ministry is is such a blessing. So that's the first thing. So we're going to watch that video in just a few moments. The other thing is there might be some of you and you just simply need to call out to God Because you may have allowed fear to dominate you so much that you're not doing anything. 
And so I'd just like for you to, when we start playing music in just a little bit, whenever I pray, if you would just simply call out to God and say, Lord, I, I am scared, but Lord, I pray that even in the midst of my fear, God, that you will remind me that you are with me. And then just trust that and then see what God does. So I'm going to pray, and then after I pray, we're going to watch a video of a man whose life's been impacted by our small groups. Heavenly Father, I just want to lift up to you those who, who are in our, in our midst today, Lord, who are, who are wrapped up by, by fear, by feelings of inadequacy. And Lord, I pray that, God, that you will just minister to their spirit and let them know, God, that you will remind them that you are with them. Lord, those who are followers of Jesus, you've said that you will never forsake us nor leave us. You have told us, Lord, that, that you will be with us to the end of the age. God, I pray that we will find comfort in that, and that we will relax, Lord, in knowing that, that it's okay for us to have fear and to make excuses, but there has to come a time when we stop and we, we say, Lord, I, I, I am trusting that you are with me. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll give confidence to people today. But, Lord, I also pray that as we watch this video, that you'll move in the hearts of, of people, God, to be, to be placing themselves around other people who are seeking after you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Join with me as we watch this video. Well, my name is Tim Glowacki, and I've been coming to the church now for, I don't know, about 18 months, plus or minus a little bit. For me, I just needed more of the Word of God. I just need more. But as I learned more about what's going on, I actually learned about the practical applications. You, you, we, we talk about why should you go to church? Why should you go to the V group? Why should you not just, you can worship by yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're told you should worship with others. And why is that important? Because you're one person. You need to have the other viewpoints. I needed the other viewpoints. Well, when you have the other viewpoints, now it's like, wow, I never thought of that. But we get the sermon, and then we can study it in depth in the V group. Well, if you love the sermon, now you can dive into it, and you can ask questions, and there are everybody there, everybody has a Bible, and we can discuss it, and it's fantastic. So it, it keeps you in the light, if you will. It keeps you in the light, in God's light, and the more you stay in the light, the more you want to be in the light, and the more you stay in the light, the less you want to be in the worldly things. So for me, the application is, it allows me to continue to understand my role. And the biggest thing that I'm asked to do is, God's not asking me to save the world. Someone's already been here for that. And that's good. He's asking me to go out and just tell people about what's going on and what he has for us. have a new online method we'd like to use to get you guys plugged into a V group. The first step we need you to do is get off the Wi-Fi. So if you're on the church's Wi-Fi, just uh, turn your Wi-Fi off for a minute so we can do this. It just seems to work better that way. Next thing we need to do is open your messaging app on your phone and then you'll create a new message to the number 803-310- 7003 In the body of your message you will type the word groups G-R-O-U-P-S and click send 
and you'll receive a pretty quick reply back. And at the bottom of that, there's a link. So click on that. And that will redirect you to our online database for our groups. And you can see there's a tab that says V groups, and there's 22 groups available. So if you click where it says uh, V groups, or if you're looking for a student V group, you can do that as well. But we'll do V groups for now. And then if you scroll straight down, you'll be able to see all of the V groups that are available right now, all 22 of those V groups. If you go back up to the top, You'll see that there's a filter, so you can use that if you need to filter out anything. If you're looking for a group on a particular day of the week, for instance, click on that tab and then click the day of the week you're looking for, maybe uh, Monday, that's fine. Then click that tab back again, and then you'll see all the groups that are listed for Monday. So from there, uh, say you're interested in joining Lake Carolina V Group, you'll click on that and it'll open up their page and you'll be able to see some of their general information and the contact info for the group leaders. Uh, scroll down a little bit and you'll see there's a blue tab that says join this group. Um, we'll come back there in just a second, but at the bottom you can see that there is a calendar of events. So they've got some of their V group um, meetings already set up on the calendar. And then go back up and you can click, if that's the group you wanna join, click join this group and then they'll ask you for some basic information, uh, starting with your email address, and you can click, um, put that information in, click continue. It may ask you to add some more information, your phone number, and um, then as soon as you click join, the leader will get a message saying that you're requesting to join that group. So that is the process that we wanna use um, this year, so we hope that you guys uh, find that easy to do, if not, any questions you guys have about that process or about vGroups in general, we will be out in the lobby. So I hope you'll uh, come find us out there. We'll have a paper sign-up sheet as well if you want to do that. We hope you'll find a group and connect, fellowship, and grow.